Hey, welcome into Positive Light. We're bringing a positive influence into this world and into your life. And hi, I'm Bob Miles. And today's episode is going to be on Count Your Blessings. And Rick Warren writes, For God's blessing, put Him first. I talk to people all the time who say, I have so much, and yet I feel unfulfilled. I've got a good family, good job, and good friends. I'm part of a great church, then why do I feel so unfulfilled? Is because you were made for more than this. You were made for more than survival. Until you begin to live in God's kingdom, by God's power, and for God's glory, you will never find fulfillment in life. So how do you live a fulfilled life? The kind of life you were designed by God to live. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 2.12, You should live in a way that proves you belong to the God who calls you into the kingdom of the glory. What does it mean to live in God's kingdom? It means you make God's agenda your agenda. You make God's will your will. You care about what God cares about. You put God first in whatever area you want him to bless. What does it mean to put God first in your life? So here's five areas where you can put God first. Finances. If you want God to bless your finances, even during hard times, start tithing. Interests. Put him first in your hobbies, your career, and your recreation. Give God first consideration in every decision. Relationships. Put him first in your family, your marriage, and your friendships. Your schedule. Give him the first part of every day. When you wake up, sit up on the side of your bed and say, God, if I don't get anything else done today, I just want to love you a little bit more and know you a little bit better. And lastly, troubles. Turn to God when you have a problem. Prayer should never be your last resort. It should be your first choice. Put God first in everything. Then watch how much God blesses you. So we've all heard someone say, I've been blessed by God. Usually in relation to success, health, family, wealth, or a job. We've even heard athletes say this after winning a big game. We all want to be under God's blessing. The common understanding of what it means to be blessed by God is that He gives us good things. In this respect, we can say that God's blessing is on everyone, believers and unbelievers alike. Matthew 5.45 says that the Father who is in the heavens causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and unjust. So, but does God's blessings pertain only to material things? Though these are included, thinking of God's blessing as mainly material things severely limits our understanding of what is in God's heart for us as believers. So what is the fuller meaning of being blessed by God? So let's begin with the blessings of Abraham by God in Genesis 12.3. And in you, all the families on earth will be blessed. We might think being blessed here means something outward, like having a good life. But in Galatians 3.13 and 14, the Apostle Paul specifically explained what blessed in Genesis 12.3 means. Christ has redeemed us out of the curse of the law, having become a curse on our behalf. Because it is written, Cursed is everyone hanging on a tree, in order that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. These verses explain both how we can be blessed and what the blessing of a God is. 
As fallen sinners, we deserve nothing but judgment and curse, certainly not blessings. And our good works and behavior can never make us blessable. But Jesus became a curse on our behalf. On the cross, he bore the curse that was upon all humanity and died in our place. Because of the redemption work of Christ on the cross for us, we cursed sinners can now receive the blessing of God through faith in Christ. So Galatians 3.14 makes it clear that the blessings in Christ, Jesus, that God wants us to receive isn't material things, but something far greater, the promise of the Spirit. In the gospel, we have received not only the blessing of forgiveness, washing, and cleansing. Even more, we have received the greatest blessing, which is the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So, but what or who is the Spirit? In the scriptures, it indicates that the Spirit is the blessing that God promised Abraham for all the nations, and that has been received by the believers through faith in Christ. And actually, is God himself processed in his trinity through incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, and dissension, that we may receive him as our life and our everything. This is the focus of the gospel of God. So the physical aspect of the blessing that God promised to Abraham was the good land, which was a type of an all-inclusive Christ. Since Christ is eventually realized as the all-inclusive life-giving spirit, the blessing of the promised spirit corresponds with the blessing of the land promised to Abraham. Actually, the spirit as the realization of Christ in our experience is the good land as a source of God's bountiful supply for us to enjoy. So Christ dwells in us as the all-inclusive spirit so we can experience him in a personal, subjective way by contacting him with our spirit. We can pray, call on his name, and read his word by simply turning to Christ in our spirit, talking to him throughout the day. We can enjoy him as our rich portion. Suppose you pray for a better job and get a higher paying position. Happily, you thank the Lord for it. For what happens when the new work environment presents some difficulties? If you realize that God didn't just bless you with a new job, but with much more, with the all-inclusive Christ who lives in you, you'll contact the Lord as a life-giving spirit dwelling in your spirit. So instead of asking the Lord to take away the problems or bless you with another job, you'll open your heart to him and ask him to be your wisdom, strength, and whatever you need to face the troubles at work. You'll begin to experience Christ as the bountiful supply in that difficult situation. You'll enjoy him, the top blessing. So if we think God's blessing is mainly of things in the material realm, we'll pursue these things. Spend our prayer time asking God for them, and when we don't get them, wonder whether we're blessed by God. Meanwhile, we'll miss enjoying the broader, fuller, and more real blessings of God, Christ for our experience and enjoyment. By focusing on and pursuing Christ, we can enjoy the all-inclusive spirit as the top blessing of God. Surely we should be thankful for the material things the Lord gives us, but we're truly blessed when we experience Christ as our love, our peace, our patience, our satisfaction, our joy, and so many other aspects of himself. We have this wonderful person now within us, the greatest blessing in the universe. So next, I want to play a song for you, and it's called We Worship You by Tommy Walker and Eileen Walker. And here it is.
Hey, what a great song by Tommy and Eileen Walker. And here's what Tommy said regarding this song. This song is written out of the thought that while we do worship God because of his amazing love and mighty deeds, we ultimately worship him simply because he is God. Being God is the position he holds. He is the uncreated one. He is the initiator and maker of all that there is. We are the created ones and he is the creator. Colossians tells us that all things were made by him and for him. He is the one who was and is and is to come. He is the holy judge of all. Not only is this unspeakably sobering news, but it's also glorious news. It means that God of all wisdom and power is in control, and his decisions are governed by his love and grace for everyone who chooses to follow him. So let's humble ourselves in reverent awe before this holy God today. Let us give him his rightful place in our lives as the only worthy one, creator, ruler, judge, king, and friend. As we read the scriptures, I pray that they will alert us to come under his sovereign, loving authority. Once again, may they comfort us with the fact that he is on his throne, ruling and reigning on behalf of his glory and our good. And after you hear these scriptures, I encourage you to worship him. And about Exodus 3.14, I am who I am. Psalms 92, before the mountains were brought forth, or even you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Psalm 47.2, for the Lord most high is awesome. He is the great king of all the earth. And 1 Timothy 6.15 and 16, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who all alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Out of Revelations 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. I am the one who is, who always was, and who will still to come, the Almighty One. And from Isaiah 6, 1 through 5. In the year of King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet. With two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So next, I'm going to read you a couple of short stories, and the first one is called The Flood. A fellow was stuck on his house with a flood coming. He was praying to God for help. Soon a man in a truck came by, and the fellow shouted to the man in the house, 
Bring your stuff and get in. There's a flood coming and I can save you. The fellow shouted back, No, it's okay. I'm praying to God and he's going to save me. So the fellow in the truck went on. Flood came and the owner of the house went up on the second floor. Then a motorboat came by. The fellow in the motorboat shouted, Jump in and what you can carry, I can save you. To this, the stranded man said, No thanks, I'm praying to God and he's going to save me. I have faith. So the motorboat went on. The flood rose and the owner went on the roof of his house. Then a helicopter came by and the pilot shouted down, Grab this rope and I will lift you to safety. To this, the stranded man again replied, No thanks, I'm praying to God and he's going to save me. I have faith. So the helicopter reluctantly flew away. Soon the water rose above the rooftop and the man drowned. He went to heaven. He finally got his chance to discuss the whole situation with God, at which point he exclaimed, I had faith in you, but you didn't save me. You let me down. I don't understand why. To this, God replied, I sent you a truck and a motorboat and a helicopter. What more did you expect? And the next is called God's Blessing. The man whispered, God, speak to me. And a meadowlark sang. But the man did not hear. So the man yelled, God, speak to me. And the thunder rolled across the sky. But the man did not listen. The man looked around and said, God, let me see you. And a star shone brightly. But the man did not notice. And the man shouted, God, show me a miracle. And a life was born. But the man did not know. So the man cried out in despair, Touch me, God, and let me know that you are here. Whereupon God reached down and touched the man, but the man brushed the butterfly away and walked on. So the moral to these two stories, don't miss out on a blessing because it isn't packaged the way you expect. The prayer of Jabez is a very short yet powerful prayer mentioned in 1 Chronicles 4.10 and it reads, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm, so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. So let's look at those scriptures more carefully, and maybe analyze a little bit of what they mean. The first is that you would bless me. So Jabez knew that God he believed in is the source of all blessings. For that reason, he asked God to bless him. And these blessings are more than just material, like we said earlier. They can also be spiritual blessings, like good relationships, peace of mind, a compassionate heart, and a gentle demeanor, among other things. God blesses us with a spiritual as well as material blessings when we ask him. So we should always be reminded that asking God for a blessing is not a bad thing. The next is enlarge my territory. Territory here does not really mean physical land. Jabez is more concerned about making an impact for the kingdom of God. It is not a literal land territory. This may not be obvious at a first glance, but when we look at the spiritual meaning of this line, it's different. Jabez prayed that God would enlarge the territory of his heart and that it may overflow to those around him. He wanted to reach others for the sake of God's kingdom. And the next one is, let your hands be with me. Jabez recognized his limited, feeble nature as a person. Because of that, he knew he needed God's help. He knew that God was all-powerful, so he asked God's hand to be with him, to guide him into the right path, and to hold him throughout his journey. In this line, Jabez recognizes the blessing can only be good things when it comes to God's hand. 
Without God's hand leading and guiding us, the blessings would be a waste. They would not fulfill a good purpose. And the last one is, keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. In this, Jabez makes a reference to his own name. Again, the Hebrew word for Jabez means he causes pain. With this, he renounced the awful meaning of his own name. He asked God to free him from harm so that pain may not befall him. Perhaps Jabez needed strength, and who better to look to than God himself? We see in the next part of the scripture that God granted what he asked. God was honored in prayer of Jabez. He asked the right things from God. He also had the right attitude when he prayed. For us to pray as Jabez did, we must first recognize who God is in our lives. Do we know that he alone is the source of all blessing? Do we recognize that God can give us the appropriate blessing if we ask him for them? It is important to first evaluate what we know about God so that we can approach him with the right heart and mind. Otherwise, we may pray for the wrong things and become frustrated when God says no. Once we know who God truly is, what he's capable of, and his role in our lives, we can then come to him with all confidence like the boldness Jabez showed when he prayed for God to bless him and enlarge his territory. We can ask God just as courageously for big things. Once again, the right attitude here is important. Jabez did not seek material wealth, so this prayer is not a gateway to that so-called prosperity gospel. God may not grant you $1 million or a thousand acre estate, but he is willing to grant you a heart like that of Jesus. He also wants to give your heart a desire to spread the gospel to others. That's an expansion of territory that truly puts a smile on God's face. Once we receive his blessings, we must never forget the source. Often we get so blinded by the good things God gives us that we forget about God himself. Jabez recognized this, and so he also prayed that God will continue to take the lead and guide his way. If we ask God's hand to be with us all times, we will surely take the right path, and we can maximize our blessing as we go along those right paths. Equally important is asking God for protection from evil. There are many temptations and things in this world that may distract us from the paths God leads us to. Because of these, we need his constant covering over us. Remember that enjoying God's blessing can only happen when we allow God to lead us too. Thus, we need to ask God to shield us from anything that may take the lead instead of him. So Jabez is a very minor character in the Bible. He was only ever mentioned a few times, all in the book of First Chronicle. In 1 Chronicles 4, 9 and 10, it said that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother was named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. In Hebrew, the equivalent for Jabez means he causes pain. Also in Jewish culture, it is common to give symbolic names for the one's children. So for the reason that her mother took great pain in giving birth to her son, the more pain the usual childless, she named him Jabez. Also, in ancient Jewish custom, the name of a person somehow foretells his future. By naming her son Jabez, the mother is probably giving a vision of what is yet to come for her son. She may have seen that her son would have a bleak future, with a life full of pains and sorrows. However, this was not so. 
Jabez defied all odds, including his supposed destiny, and became a man of fervent prayer. He believed so strongly in the power of God that he cried out to him boldly. Because of his good relationship with God, Jabez was described as an honorable, in fact, more honorable than his brothers. For the, the author of the book of the Chronicles, to mention him, even briefly tells us of this extraordinary character that this man displayed during his life. And the fact that he was named in the book means he had a very important role to fulfill as well. Not only did Jabez recognize who God truly is, and not only did he have the right attitude when he prayed, against all odds, Jabez also defied the supposed destiny. He was a conqueror through what God has done in him. He powered through the challenges life threw at him, and he honored God by doing so. We may be facing trials and discouragements ourselves, but like Jabez, let us learn to look to the God we believe in, ask that he would do great things through us, and ask that he would be the one to lead us every step of the way. With that kind of attitude, certainly God will answer our prayers positively. From Ephesians 1, 3-4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. It was a home filled with hymns. Johnson Oatman Jr. grew up listening to his father, who loved to sing. Johnson must have listened carefully, for he discovered how music could express emotions as well as a deep theological truth. Born in New Jersey in 1856, he became a successful businessman and ordained minister, but he would be remembered primarily as one of the important gospel songwriters of his time, the author of the text to more than 5,000 hymns. His words came from his heart as we clear from one of his most important hymns, Count Your Blessings. He spoke of many personal struggles and challenges, describing times of being tempest-tossed, discouraged, and thinking all is lost. Yet in those dark moments, Oatman found the answer in gratitude to God. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. He knew that believers could feel burdened with a load of care. At those times, he wrote, as you count your many blessings, you will find that every doubt will fly. Instead of being depressed or discouraged, you will keep singing as the days go by. As we think about God's word, Oatman realized that we would realize that he has promised his wealth untold. No matter what we face in life, we must not be disheartened, but remember that God is over all. Today, stop for a moment to count your blessings. Put aside questions and problems. Start naming his blessings one by one. Thank him for what he already has done. As you do this, God will change your heart and give you a new attitude and perspective. So I'm going to end today's episode on an audio clip by Billy Graham called Running From God. And here it is. This prodigal son is a picture of all of us because all of us in a way are running from something. The 15th chapter of Luke's Gospel. And here is where Jesus told about a, a son that wanted to get his inheritance and leave home. And it's well known around the world as the prodigal son. This boy squandered his wealth and wild living. 
He spent it all and had nothing to show for it. He realized he had sinned and he cast himself on the mercy of his father. And the scripture says, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. God's not waiting to judge you. God's not waiting to condemn you. God loves you. He sent his son to die on the cross for you, to shed his blood for you. He wants to put his arms around you and receive you back to himself. So that does bring us to the end of our episode today. I hope everybody enjoyed it. And my closing prayer as always is that God blesses the journey you're on with him and that you embrace that path. So next week's episode is going to be on God's joy in your life. And you connect with me at PositiveLightPodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And anywhere you download your podcast, you can get Positive Light for free. Hope everybody had a great week. God bless, and we'll catch you next week.